Good morning, family. Grace and joy to you. What a, what a privilege to be with you on today. And what an honor it is to open the word of God. Thank you, Deacon Sherman, for your prayer, brother. Amen. At the time of our text, a miracle has happened in our passage today. The promise of God for Zacharias and Elizabeth has come to pass. The promise of a son in their old age has been fulfilled by God. And he's no ordinary baby, beloved. No, he's the promised child who was sent into the world to be the forerunner for the Christ. Now, according to the text, when the people in the community showed up for the circumcision of baby John, they all begin to question what the baby's name was going to be. Now, Mama Elizabeth said what the name was to be, according to the text, but the community tried to force her to change the name. They said, you don't have anybody named John in your family. And it was at that time that the preacher, Zacharias, who lost his voice because of disobedience, called and summons for a writing tablet. And on the tablet, he said what the name of the child was going to be. His name is going to be called John. And the Bible said that when he wrote that, his voice came back. The Bible says that he instantly began to testify about the plan of God, the goodness of God, and the power of God. I like this because it's a, it's a good picture of what happened when the preacher gets his voice back. Miracles can happen. And there are four things that this text teaches us and I'd like to discuss with them today. Number one, I want to talk about God's divine proclamation. Number two, God's divine power. Number three, God's divine person. And then we'll land our time together looking at God's divine provision. Thank you, media team, for helping me today. Can we give them a hand? Amen. They're awesome. God's divine proclamation. In verse 67 and 68, if you'll keep your Bibles open and look at those two verses with me, here you'll find these words. Now his father, John the Baptist, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied, saying these words, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. RCC, when we come to this portion of the text, we get to see the beginning of what I call is a divine proclamation. And it's a proclamation that's declaring freedom by a savior that is to come. See, according to the Spirit of God, who has just filled Zacharias, the Lord has shown up and has visited his people. When you look at the text, that verse, the word redeemed there in verse 69, I believe it is, means to, to pay the price for someone, to set someone free, rather, by paying the price. Now, what he's saying, Zacharias, is that Jesus Christ was, was coming to earth to bring deliverance to the captives and salvation to people who were in bondage to sin and death. 
That's what Zacharias is proclaiming now that he's got his voice back. Secondly, we see in the text, Zacharias, first of all, had not spoken in nine months. It had happened in the temple when the angel Gabriel revealed to him what God was going to do, and he didn't believe the angel's report. So Gabriel said, you will not speak until this child comes. And now the time has come, nine months since he's been able to talk. And we now get the opportunity to see him saying something. He starts off by preaching the good news. This is powerful because being filled with the spirit of God, he begins to tell the story now that he has the chance. And here's what I learned in this passage, RCC. If you have not been able to share the good news and God gives you an opportunity to get your platform back, I wouldn't use it spreading any other news. I would take the opportunity to proclaim what the word has already written. In fact, I will go on to say now that the trunk or treat is coming, if we have lost our influence in the neighborhood because of COVID, and now that God's given it back to you, RCC, I believe we ought to take the opportunity to tell somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen right there? Well, we've looked at God's divine proclamation. And we've looked at how the miracle came and changed Zacharias' life. Let's look now at God's divine power and discover what he desires for you and I to do. In verses 69 through 75, you find these amazing words. And Jesus, or God, has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. These are the words of Zacharias preaching or speaking. Verse 70, and as he has spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Verse 73, the oath of which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. The word of the Lord. When you come to this portion of the text, we discover that Zacharias, under the power of the Holy Spirit, he uses what I call family as imagery of people who have gotten power and victory over a battle that they could not win. What he does here is gives us a picture of an army about to be taken captive, but then help arrives and defeats the enemy. Check this out. In the previous verses, 68 and 69, the captives were set free. But in these verses, the enemy is also defeated so that they cannot capture more prisoners. It's a picture, a beautiful picture, and it means total victory for the people of God. That's what Zacharias is prophesying here. See, the word salvation in verse 69, it carries the meaning of one who has been delivered 
no matter what the condition of the captives are, the Redeemer brings deliverance from their enemies. And here's what I learned in these verses. When you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you too are delivered from Satan's power. And you are moved instantly from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. When, when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you are not only redeemed by God, but you are forgiven by God. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but that's a good word for somebody struggling with guilt. That's a good word for somebody who feels like what you've done, God can't forgive. No son, no daughter. You've not only been redeemed, bought by God, but you've been forgiven. We ought to give God some praise right there. That's powerful. Secondly, the power that is proclaimed by Zacharias in this text is power that is prophesied by the prophets of old. The Bible said, look at verse 72, that God would come and perform the mercy promised to our fathers and, that's a good word right there, remember his holy covenant. So Zacharias is simply preaching what has already been prophesied. And then he says, it's the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Beloved, here it is. When Zacharias begins to preach this message, he is remembering what God said that God was going to do. This is beautiful. This is the divine power that's being talked about in the verse. And this is stunning because he is now able to speak and he proclaims the power that God had already proclaimed that he had and was promising to give to God's people. Sometimes we got to be reminded about what God has already promised us. Sometimes we got to be reminded about the benefits of being in the family of God. Look at this. Look at the divine power being proclaimed here. He says that God is going to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. See, according to Zacharias, God's divine power that was to come was going to grant you and I deliverance from the hand of our enemies. Well, who are our enemies? Satan, the world, and our old nature. The power of God when he comes to save us. Delivers us from the three enemies of the believer. And he redeems us. So those enemies can no longer hold you under oppression or in bondage. What a picture. What a beautiful picture. This means that what God has designed for you and I. Was already designed in eternity past. Before the fall. And now that Christ has come, he has made good on that promise. I like this because it reveals the divine power that God put on display when he decided to come into the world and to redeem you and I back unto himself. This power is divine. We've looked at God's divine proclamation. We've looked at God's divine power. Let's look now at God's divine person. 
verse 76 and 77. If you're with me, let me get an amen. Zechariah says this, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. Let me stop right there and put you in the scene. Here's what I think happened. Are you ready? I think when he got his mouth back and he wrote down on the tablet what the name was going to be, he got excited, started speaking, and he grabbed his son and he picked him up. His baby boy, his promised child. And he's now talking to the baby like a proud father. And he says, and you, child, you're going to be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remissions of their sins. Let me stop right there and unpack this for us. When we arrive at these two verses, what we get to see is God's divine person now. That's John, the baby. And he is a messenger that's going to lead the revolution of heaven to redeem mankind. Here, Zacharias declares to the baby that he will be called the prophet of the highest. His job is going to be to go before the Messiah to prepare the way for Jesus. John was going to give knowledge about salvation. He was going to preach the message of salvation and call people to repent from their sins. John, he was coming to prepare us to receive the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Here's how I apply these two verses to my life, and I hope this would work for you too. I learned right here that we too have a call on our lives, just like John. We too are to live out our days proclaiming the good news that Jesus is coming and that he's coming to save us from our enemies. We got to proclaim this everywhere we go in our homes, in our schools, on our jobs, when we're in Walmart, when we're in Costco, when we're at the Bears game. Come on, talk to me, somebody. We are witnesses, forerunners, because Jesus is coming again. And like John, our ministry must be the same. This is just not for Pastor Angelus or Pastor John or the elders or the deacons, this is for all of us. Can I get a witness right there? We've looked at God's divine proclamation. We've looked at God's divine power. We've even looked at God's divine person. Let's look now at God's divine provision. In verses 78 and 79, here you find an amazing portion of scripture. He says to John, dad, he's holding his son, son, through the tender mercy of our God, which, with which the day spring from on high have visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Daddy is proclaiming to his son what his ministry is going to be on earth as he leads the way to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at this. When you come to this final portion of this text, God divinely 
is speaking through Zacharias to his baby, going to provide provision for John that would help others to know what he is going to do on behalf of God. The text says that God was going to send this divine person, John, and he was going to do a divine thing, preach a message of repentance and salvation. But God was going to personally do something for John that only God could do. And here it is. God was going to bring the day spring. This is amazing because this word right here literally means the sunrise. Why, why, why did he use this language? Well, the people were sitting in darkness and death and distress and, and Roman occupation had them living in an oppressed state. They needed for a deliverer to come and to set them free from the systems of sin, the systems of segregation, the systems of this world, and to set them free. And God was going to use John as the day spring to announce the coming of the sun. Secondly, this light that he talks about coming would be the light to give to those who sat in darkness and who were living under the shadow of death. I like this because, beloved, only God could do this. Only God could lead you through tender mercies. Tender mercies that bring you out of darkness from a place of void of peace, a path of brokenness. He was going to use John to trailblaze this. This was divine provision. This isn't in my notes, but I feel inspired to say this. I think that's what God wants to do in Naperville. We sit among a people who may look like they have some influence, but if they don't know Jesus, they're in darkness. I don't care how much money you have, how many boats and cars and toys are in your driveway. If you don't know Jesus, depression can live in your residence. Can I get a witness? I don't care how many degrees you might have on the wall. If you don't know Jesus, darkness and separation from God and depression and sin and loneliness and isolation can be there. That's why you need witnesses like RCC to come like the sun or the sunrise or the day spring to usher in the light. Who is Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God? And he can do that, beloved, through a trunk or treat. He can bring joy through what you might think is nothing. This is a divine provision that God has given to the believer. So, beloved, don't be afraid of sharing Christ in dark places. You're supposed to be there. You're supposed to bring the light. You're supposed to be the one who leads them into a personal conversation about the God who loves them. God was going to do this through the ministry of John. Well, I got to leave you now. But verse 80, probably the most powerful verse in this passage. The Bible says, so the child, John, he grew. And he became strong in spirit. And he was in the deserts. Look at that. Until the day of his manifestation to Israel. Beloved, thank you for listening online and on land today. I'm so glad that I have the privilege to walk with you in the word of God. You are on my heart and on my mind all week long. I think about you night and day. I pray for you and I want you to know I love you. 
as your teaching pastor. And here's what I want to say to you. I find this passage incredible that Dr. Luke, by the way, he's the only one that tells this narrative in the four Gospels. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Luke reveals something that God wants the reader to know about John the miracle baby. Instead of John enjoying a comfortable life as a priest, he was going to live in the wilderness. Now watch this. Remember a couple weeks ago I was talking about they lived in the hill country of Judea in the community of the priest. Zacharias being of the tribe of Abijah, a descendant of the high priest, would have had a life of luxury. But John is not going to have that. He's not going to grow up in the rabbinical schools that the high priest enrolled in. He's not going to live where mom and dad live and take up the same ministry. His ministry was going to call him into the wilderness. He was going to go out there where nobody else went. He was going to a people that the priest never went to. He was going to a place to reach somebody that everybody else had written off. Maybe it was Belgium, Steve, I don't know. But he was going somewhere that nobody else had been to. He was what I call a wilderness witness. And we're going to read more about his life. He's going to come dressed in a double-breast camel skin suit. And his meal is going to be barbecue chicken wings. Hallelujah. <laughs> he ate barbecue locusts and wild honey. He didn't have the diet of the priest. He didn't have the lifestyle of the priest. He did not do what the normal priests do. He was set apart, set aside, and he was out there as a witness for God. You say, now, Wilson, what does that mean for me? I'm so glad you asked. God has called you to be a uh, standout, to, to not look like the rest of the world. He has called you to be totally different. Just like John, we're called to stand out, not fit in. No, we're, not, we're never called to fit in or blend in. We're called to stand out, to be different, to be witnesses in the wilderness of this world. How many of you know this world is a wilderness? Some of the young people will say, it really is crazy out here. It's wild out here. If you can imagine, the, the, the most wickedest thing happening is probably going on in our world. This world is fallen, it's broken, it's, it's on the track of destruction. It's not our home, we're just passing through. But as we pass through the wilderness, we're called to be a witness, just like John. Be unique, beloved. Don't fit in. Be set apart, but keep your focus. John was what I call heavenly minded while he lived on earth. The things of this world didn't mean much to John, but the things of the kingdom meant everything. And just like John, you and I today are called to live in this place. Again, let me repeat it for those online. We must be set apart, beloved. We must be focused in the call. Our bodies are on earth, but our minds are in heaven. We must be reminded that we've been born to, and to live and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. As John was a miracle, 
So you are, beloved. It's a miracle that God saved you, called you, adopted you, grafted you into the family of God. It's not something we deserve. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith and not that of yourself. It's a gift of God, amen? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, while this miracle of John was powerful and the miracle God was going to do to him was powerful, there was a greater miracle coming. There was a greater John to come. There was a greater miracle on the way, Jesus the Christ, the greatest miracle humanity has ever seen, God himself, Emmanuel, God with us, walked among us, talked among us, came to set us free. What a miracle. Not only did he just come in the flesh, but he came to redeem you and I. You remember the story about Calvary? How out on that cross, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the Son of God, died in your place, took your sin. What a miracle that God would provide his own sacrifice for you and I. They drove nails in his hands, a crown of thorns on his head, a spear in his side, drove nails in his feet. And out on that cross, he suffered the worst death ever known to humanity, paying my debt, paying your debt, and the debt for all of those who will want to be reconciled back into a right relationship with God. It's a miracle that God will love me and die for me and take my place. Well, that's not the greatest miracle. No, that was good. But another miracle, he went into the tomb. And the Bible said that while he was there, he took the sting out of death and victory over the grave. That's another miracle Jesus did. And early Sunday morning, the Bible says God the Father raised him back to life. There's another miracle. He just keeps performing miracles. Can I give you one more? He's now sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I that when we pray the God of heaven and earth hears our prayers, that's another miracle. And he keeps on working on our behalf. And guess what he's asking us to do? Be like John. Trunk or treat. Tell somebody about Jesus while we have the chance. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for the miracle of Zacharias. And how that one miracle led to multiple others. We pause today to thank you for the miracle of RCC and what you're doing here in us, through us, for us, and on our behalf. We pray now that you would meet us in this time of worship. Thank you, Father. Receive our prayers of gra gratitude in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.